0: Of the Hero Ball Podcast. This is Ethan Huffman speaking, and today I will be joined by Elkin Beltree. Elkin, lovely to see you as always. Happy to see your smiling face. Let's start off the pod with a little bit of Homer talk. The Heat took down the Utah Jazz, 118 115, I believe. I haven't watched it, but I'm just going to go ahead and say, despite the Heat getting smacked by the Celtics in a really weird game, the Heat are the best team in the NBA. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: I mean. The Heat are okay. Actually, some people are calling them the best team in the NBA right now. I mean, who knows?
0: I think they have the best net rating. They do
1: have one of the – Ah, they don't have the best net rating as of now. Warriors have the best net rating.
0: Oh, because the Celtics Yeah,
1: but it's okay. We're going to cover the Warriors pretty soon. I mean, you can make the argument the Warriors are the best team in the NBA. That could be an argument. I believe they're the team that have the fewest losses in the NBA right now. They do. But, yeah, against the Jazz – Even though, uh, I don't know if maybe for you, you got a little bit nervous with, I know you didn't watch the game, but they did lose that lead. So one of those things where I'm sure the Heat will time the ship, but no, it's kind of proven us a little bit wrong because I'm pretty sure we said during our season preview that the Heat might not be a regular season team. We're like, playoff team, they're going to be hard. And you kind of, right now, like the way they're playing for me shows just any team who matches up with them in the playoffs, this is what they can expect. Like it's gonna be a team that will be a hard out for anyone, or maybe not a hard out. Maybe they might go through the Eastern Conference and then you'll see them in June.
0: I, I think the heat I think the thing I forgot to, you know reconsider is Kyle Lowry's always been a regular season guy. Like the the Raptors well before Kyle Lowry was then um I don't know where he found it if it, it was always in him or not, but he got the clutch gene clutch gene for that Raptors finals run. Um, but you know him and DeRozan were were pushing, you know I would say not super duper talented Raptors teams like to the you know the to the playoffs into fifty wins like they were good teams. Don't get me wrong, but like they, that, there's a reason LeBron like dismantled them every time. Um, and and he, but he they, they was a regular season machine, and so like I think I overlooked um, how important Kyle Lowry is to setting up. Just consistently good offense, which is why that Celtics game really threw me for a loop. That was the first game I got to watch live, just because I don't always get home by 4 o'clock out here on the West Coast. And I'm like, I'd like to watch the game in succession. I don't care if I know the result. I still enjoy it. I watched the Celtics game. It was the first game I watched um, live with the the thing. And I was just like, wow, this is um not what I've been watching.
1: And I'll, t- I'll tell you this, like me, I'm happy Kalari flourishing. I'm happy DeMar DeRozan flourishing. Where he's at right now. We're not going to talk about the Bulls, but Bulls are definitely flourishing. And by the way, definitely way, 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 way too early in the season. But somehow the Bulls off uh, two attempts, DeMar DeRozan out here shooting 42%. Yeah, 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 yeah. From three points, that is. We love it. Lonzo, though, shooting 40% on six attempts. We love that, by the way.
0: We we love that too. You know, we like we like shots going in. Let's let's pivot to the to the other homer part of this pod. Um Pacers, not not quite as good as the Heat, I would say.
1: 3 and 7, man. 3 and 7 uh just lost to a uh, your hometown team. Lost by four points. Had the lead a little bit. The story of this season for our hometown Pacers has been we can start off strong, but third quarters we're going to stink it up. We're gonna lose leads. That has been the case. We have had 20-point leads, leads in so many games. You can make the argument they should be more like seven and three, more like eight and two. But I want to give them benefit of a doubt, though. They're they're bringing in. We brought in some a new rookie. We have T.J. Warren who's still out. We have one, uh, Caris Lavert who's just coming back from injury. Which Pacers fans are kind of upset because he's getting some crunch time minutes over one Chris right there, but I'm like, Ugh, could be. And we still have the front court of Miles Turner and Sabonis who is still giving us a negative net rating. So that's the fun times that we have there.
0: No, uh, it's 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 tough out there. Um, I also like you know for a guy like Jeremy Lamb who hasn't played basketball in a couple years, like he's gonna like be required to like do some stuff for him. it looks like he's shooting the three ball pretty well in his seven games but like it's a guy who hasn't played basketball in almost two years based on his injuries and like this the timelines of how the seasons have worked out like he's he's just rusty he's gonna like you know you'd, you'd like to think he can be a solid like you know seventh eighth man for a team but like, it's just been a while and then obviously we haven't yet seen um our boy tj warren he's still he's still been out and without a there's no like dead set date for him to come back. and that's uh, that's that's scary for a guy who, honestly, is was is probably your best option to close games like him and Brogden, a little two man game with some bonus like helping some facil- some facilitation at, at the uh, at the top of the key, like those two guys should be able to like you know put together a pretty good closing bit for you and it just missing missing out on a six eight versatile score is never a good thing Elkin. I'm not sure if you.
1: I'll say this, but the dirty little secret that a lot of the local media's caught on to, but not the national media is that when Brogdon's out. There's a lot more ball movement on the team, a lot more passing. Brogdon, he loves to dribble the rock all the way down to the final seconds and then make a play. That's a sneaky thing to watch out for if you ever see a Pacers game, and he's playing.
0: Malcolm Brogdon's got a little bit of Rajon Rondo in him, but at least Malcolm Brogdon, until this year, could shoot. That is true. And he can still shoot free throws. He's just shooting poorly from the three-point. All nine. right. Anyway, we can, we can um, now that we've lost our listeners, we can uh, now go back to – the, uh, the intended pod of the day, which is we're just going to do some overreactions to what's going on in the NBA. It can be negative. It can be positive. You know, we'll see how it goes. But okay, I'm going to start us off here with, with the Golden State Warriors. I think a team that is is worth overreacting for right now, like I'm going to defend it. Maybe this doesn't fit the pod because this team has been so fun. And we understand that this is going to be a fun team. They definitely like, have the the roster for that, and I'm talking. I'm not even talking about Stephen Curry and uh, Draymond Green and the ball movement that comes. Like I'm talking about. I'm so happy. Gary Payton the second has finally found a roster that fits for him. The guy who's such a good defensive player, not really a shooter, but he he, he hustles hard. He's got decent size. He's great. Like you know. Honestly, like you think about guys like Patrick Beverly, like, you know, we're talking 10 years ago that he, tried, he got got into the NBA because he hustled hard on defense, played good defense. I think about another like heat guy, Bronte Weber, who ended up on the Warriors team that lost to the Cavs. And I thought he I thought he was going to make a postseason um, contribution. It ended up being, oh, who's that guy played for UNLV, played for the Raptors as well. I can't remember his name right now, but he played on three straight championship teams. I'm blanking. On oh, his Patrick McCall. Patrick McCall, so that was the rookie who ended up making the uh, the uh, the team and played played some d- minutes for that finals run. So they did actually win. Um, regardless, this team has a lot of players, and then you gotta remember Otto Porter Jr. on the minimum. Like this guy's out here gonna be doing doing the thing, you know, shooting for 39% from three, 60% from two. Like yeah, he's not he's not playing all the minutes that you know I would like to see him play because I think Otto is really solid, but he's. Back to being an NBA player where he hasn't been. Bielitsa, playing good basketball, being part of a ball movement system. Bringing
1: back Igadala on there as well. Bringing it back up.
0: Iguodala, you know, and, and I think because – we talked about a little bit with Kyle Lowry in the Heat portion. Um, Iguodala being back on a team that really like moves well. Goran Dragic is a great point guard. And until Kyle Lowry got there, and still probably because Kyle Lowry won't spend an inordinate amount of time on the Heat just based on his age. Who knows? Maybe he's you know going to age perfectly and play until he's 45. Who knows? But Goran Dragic, my personal opinion, best point guard in Heat history. But he's always still been a bit more of a scoring point guard and not really a, a guy who sets up everyone else. Like Tim like Tim Hardaway Jr. was – or Tim Hardaway is the same way. He's more of a scorer, passed the ball plenty too. But both those guys were, were primarily scoring guys. And it's, I think now Iguodala playing with a guy, like Curry, who is a scoring guard. Um, it, What we're seeing though is Curry passes and moves off ball so much that Iguodala is engaged in the offense at all times. He's not just standing in the corner hoping no one passes him the ball to shoot a corner three. It's healthy for everyone out here. Uh, this team is fun to watch, Elkin and I are we overreacting to think that they can retain this.
1: I think it's possible and this is without I mean, I'm interested to see what happens when James Wiseman sets back on the court. When you got one Jonathan Kaminga, who's we know had that injury beforehand and we're gonna see where he is. And of course, Clay Thompson, who's gonna be joining them later on the season. Not anytime soon. Let's well, the Warriors fans, let's not get your hopes up. And I'm excited if I can get a tr- if I can get a clay it's at least provided me a few solid points, a few solid moments. Because he's not, just remember, he's not going to be the same clay or one, the one who drops like 37. He, we would love for him to be that right off the bat. But when you haven't played in about two seasons, you got to get used to that NBA speed again. And I'm sure he'll do what he needs to do. But this is a team that I feel like can sustain it. And also, too, development of one, Jordan Poole. I really like the development of Jordan Poole. And it almost seems like they're convincing Andrew Wiggins to provide more than just trying to look to score. Andrew Wiggins slowly but surely turned into a decent defensive option for them, which is one of the things people thought he was going to be right out of college. they like, this guy can be a great defensive player. And the Warriors have gotten some, I would say some good defense out of him as well. So this is a team that I think they have some sustainability. Number one seed at the end of the season, I'm not so sure about it. That's something I wouldn't give them, but I think they're going to be up there, especially, and I think there's going to be a playoff. I think this is a playoff team. Not I think it's going to be a playoff team, but I think this is a playoff team.
0: No, I, I I, definitely had them, like, more down bottom half. Like, I I can't remember. Me and Richard did the pod, like, literally a week and a half ago or two weeks ago, where he, like, listed everything out the way we thought the order would go. And I know I didn't have the Warriors above the 5C at the best. Like, I would have been the best I would have put them. Just I, did, I, I didn't know how much to believe in their defensive personnel. But Draymond Green is such a good quarterback and everyone, even Curry, while not being a great defender, he always is trying hard. And like, he, he has the, the ability to take those gambles, to try to get more steals, to try to, you know, poke the ball loose. He has that ability to, to do those things because everyone else around the team is, you know, a lot more of like a solid, you know, guard their man, stay in front, force difficult shots, type of defenders. I mean, obviously you get down to the B elites who is not, but he, he, he's there for offense. We understand his role. Um, I, I, I really like this team, Elkin. Um, I, you know, talking about Clay Thompson coming back, I mean, we're not worried about Klay Thompson, like, you know, running off 10,000 pin downs to get, you know, uh, like, you know, 20 shots a game. We're talking about just having a guy out there who, sh- who probably can defend pretty solidly. Like he might have to bump up to where he's like a three guy. Now he doesn't guard the twos anymore, but like, you're talking about a guy who, like still has all the the mind of the, that great defender he was, and still like has the, the com- I'm sure has the confidence in his jump shot that he's gonna come out and firing. Like you're just talking about swapping out basically some Damian Lee minutes with Klay Thompson. I'm sorry, I can't even with Klay Thompson being he could be bad, and I'm like that's a good. You trade. still would want that's Damian. You still
1: wouldn't want Damian Lee over him. That's just the truth.
0: And Damian Lee shoots 48% from three, so that, that's and that's.
1: That's tough to beat. He's shooting better than his brother-in-law at the moment.
0: Yeah. Again, I'm telling you, if if, if the, these three-point shooters who are very mobile and how they take their jump shots, I think those are the guys whose percentages are are waning a little bit compared to, comparatively to like a lot of the catch and shoot guys. Catch and shoot guys, the ball, I don't think it's making as big a big difference. I think the guys who are pulling it off the dribble or off a lot of motion. I do. I do have a. I do have a hunch that. For those guys where it is, is very much more like a fine-tuned machine every time, I, I think the I think the ball is making some minor effects, but I think it will neutralize before too long. Um, I think that's all I got on the Warriors. I think they're really fun. Kevon Looney um, looks a lot spryer than he has in a couple years, which makes me happy for him because he's not an old man. I think he's 27 now. I think he's my age still. <laughs> I think he's still my age. No, he's actually um, a
1: 25. 25? Yep. I'm no, he's 25.
0: No. Oh my goodness. He's going to be 26 in February. (laughs) I keep, Oh my goodness. Gotcha. Oh my goodness. Guys, he is so young and looks so old last year. I don't know how I'm so happy. I'm so happy that he looks like his age again. Like he looks like, like, he looks like he's hit that 25 wall that all those rookies hit at some point. You know, those those, those guys into their fourth season, they kind of run into that wall where they, they have a bad season. Like Last year, he looked like he was 35. And I'm, so I'm happy to see him looking a little bit more spry and kind of mo- moving like like you would think a 25-year-old would. Um, Last thing, you know, we talked about Wiseman. I, I do want to move off this topic, but, you know, I'm still curious if Wiseman plays at all this season for this team. I wonder if they will be um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I specifically think about a Miles Turner. I specifically think about a, a Hornets team that maybe would rather have a, a big center because um, they're, they're getting killed at, in the paint every game. The, the reason the Hornets don't win every game is because they have no one at the rim and they have no rim threat other than Miles Bridges, who is doing a lot of it off the dribble. Um, I I think there's some center shakeups that are destined to happen. And um, I, I think the Warriors will be wise to be in that game because you can close with Draymond Grant Center. I 100% believe that. I think it's a great option. I think they could use a little bit of a, uh, a counterpunch though, um, that is yet to be seen. I I think that was going to hold this team up if the Lakers ever get their their stuff together and have an Anthony Davis playing at the five. You know, I think Phoenix with with a DeAndre Ayton can give this team some problems. Like I, I just look at. I look at size being still a limitation as Draymond has aged. I, I wonder if he can cover for all the things. That's just the last thing I wanted to mention.
1: That's no, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, do you do you want to go on to your next point? Or do you, want me to go to my first point. What you feeling?
0: Well, let's hop 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 to one of y'all's.
1: All right, all right. So the one the one thing I'm looking at, see if we're overacting here. The slow start by the L. A. team. So currently, right now, yeah, the L. A. Clippers at four and four, the L. A. Lakers at five and five, both five hundred teams right now. Technically, the Clippers are ninth in the West. Lakers are 10th. But looking at their, at their what we call, quote-unquote, slow star, I wanted to first look at the Clippers. Now, the Clippers, I think with them, I mean, one of the big, big, big things is no Kawhi Leonard right now. I mean, that's just one of the obvious things right now, just looking at them. I mean, no Kawhi Leonard at all, which is one of those things it's like, if you don't have, I would still consider him the best player on the team. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say that right now. If you don't have someone like that, that is going to be some adjustment right there. There's a team that's definitely struggling with that. By the way, defensively, though, they're not that bad. They're a solid defensive team. It's just offensively, you're really not getting much offensively. I mean, and you kind of have – that's what happens when you lose the scoring of one Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Paul George, he's doing his thing still. He's averaging about 28 points per game, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. Shooting 38% from three-point, which isn't bad. So I'll take that from him. And then you kind of look at when your second-leading scorer is Reggie Jackson. I know Reggie had a great playoff, all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're a little bit of trouble then. You kind of look at, like, who they expect. I mean, they, I feel like, and I don't correct me if I'm wrong, besides Eric Bledsoe, they kind of feel like they brought back their main core. It seems like from last season, pretty much you have, like I said, I mean, you switched out. Uh, Patrick Beverly for Eric Bledsoe, but you kept your core the same. It was kind of a trade like that, wasn't it? Kind of like that.
0: Yeah, it was. I was, I was just putting the trade together in my head. I apologize for my.
1: No, no, no. Face. You're fine. You're fine. You're <laughs> fine. In my head, I was like, I was like, I know Eric Bledsoe was on the Grizzlies, and Patrick Beverly got traded to the Grizzlies for like two seconds, and then ended up in Minnesota. Like I know that, but I'm looking at it, and this is a team that we always know has a lot of wing players, and. Sometimes I worry. I think one of the biggest worries I have with this team is that it's it's always going to be your same type of, like, players in their late 20s, early 30s. And since they train away all their draft picks, you're never going to get anyone younger. I mean, you have Terrence Mann. Yeah. You kind of got him, who provided such a great spark.
0: He's as old as Kevon Looney, by the way. Yep.
1: They got uh, one Justice Winslow, who's also as old as Kevon Looney. That's, uh, I forgot Justice Winslow was even on this team.
0: Oh, well, he's not been playing very good. Yeah, uh, so not a the guy
1: who both the uh, Hornets and the Celtics really trade all the draft picks for, by the way, the Justice Winslow.
0: I still wish it would have happened, because then the Heat would have just accidentally drafted Devin Booker.
1: And then you would have had Devin Booker instead of Tyler Hero, probably.
0: It would have been a completely different situation.
1: You never know. You never know. You <laughs> never know. But – that's kind of like my starting point with them. Looking at what I've seen from their stats, they haven't been that great of a shooting team defensively. They've definitely had their struggles. But this is a team This is a team that I'm going to say, when Kawhi Leonard comes back, I'm not going to be as worried.
0: Let's, let's talk about that shooting team cuz so right now right now they're 15th in the league in three point percentage I know that's not everything they 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 are currently 20th in the league in free throw maybe that's a little bit more telling about how we feel about their shots and like how everything's going in but like the, the big difference this year is last year everyone basically had a career best year from
1: three I do remember league. that we're
0: talking we're talking like six players maybe seven that were over 40% from three Morris George Beverly Terrence Mann in his limited attempts um also Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard. I n I don't think Kabaka or um or Kawhi were at forty percent. But regardless, I got the six and I know those for a fact. Oh Batum.
1: Batum, Batum was seven. Batum. And that the thing was, is, they... Kawhi, you wanna know where he was at? 0. 0.398. So we can probably just almost put him
0: I just knew he wasn't forty. I knew he but wasn't But he was
1: like he's like right there, but I get what I know what you mean though. I know what you mean though, but go ahead. This
0: this this team going into the final two games of the season last year, I think we're Set to break the record of the shortened line season set by the Hornets and the 2016 or 17 Warriors as best three-point shooting seasons in NBA history. They were set to do that, and then they played Daniel Orturu and his kickout passes from the post. Um, I think tanked the uh, tanked it a little bit with Amir coffee, taking most of the shots that Paul George would normally take in the last game of the season. <laughs> And Amir Coffey, while I think is not a horrible shooter, this year he's shooting 20%, 20%, so not bad, you know, not bad. Um, I I think that might have had a reason why they are now the third best three-point shooting team in NBA history. So point being, that team last year hit their highest percentile of threes you could ever expect. And that's why their offense was very solid. This year, they're middle of the road and they're missing their best player, I think I think this team is not. I don't know if this team's a playoff team, Elkin, just based off of they're they're literally like even a, like even an Eric Bledsoe, a Nicholas Batum, like you know missing a couple weeks from. I don't know if they can win basketball games with how with the way I'm looking at it, thin this roster is. Like just like as much as I love Justice Winslow, I really do. You, you can't. I don't think you can ask him to like be a good basketball player anymore. I I wish he was like, we're talking about Brandon Boston getting off the bench as a rookie and contributing. Like I'm, I'm holding some stock in him because he's, you know, he's six, seven and you you don't just throw those guys away. Shout out Kevin Knox. And for anyone who uh, lives in this house with me, that likes to think I love Kevin Knox. Um, Regardless, you don't just throw that kind of height away. Anyway, I, I'm looking at, uh, down their bench. Keon Johnson, when they drafted him, he's a 100% a project. He's just an athlete. He's not a basketball player yet. Uh, Jason Preston would be great. Kind of like, you know, a little... I'd, he says he's six four. I still look at him as an undersized guard. That's a scorer. But, like, you have plenty of guards right now. So, I guess if Reggie... But he also got hurt. And Serge Ibaka's missed, like, I think, every game this season so far. Like, this team is not deep. And they already have existing injuries. I... I, I the, the slow start for me is not a surprise, but let's overreact to it and say it's it's their toast. Although they have won a couple games. They're back to f- 500, which I didn't think they would be, honestly.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and it's kind of just... I, I guess we're regressing to the meme with them, as you pointed out. And right now, it seems like... Like, I think Kawhi's obviously going to help him out, but he's still going to have to take his time, and this is a team that, man, if they don't make the playoffs, and you're thinking about how... They pretty much just pillaged all their draft picks. Just this team pretty much is like now or never and pretty much is going to be never for a bit if they don't do that good. Like they can't even tank after this. That That's, that's what I'm looking at, too.
0: The important thing to keep in mind is that they did get Kawhi Leonard signed. They'd have Paul George signed. Those two guys are on the roster. And they, that does not mean they have a lot of flexibility because they did give a lot of money to uh, Luke Kennard. or they gave, I would say, starter money to Luke Kennard. They have Marcus Morris, who's been horrible this year so far, and he's making a starter money. Um, Eric Bledsoe, he'll be coming. Like he's got, I can I don't know. This is his, his next year's contract's not fully guaranteed. It's it's listed at 19 million. Let's see if it says how much it's it's partially guaranteed for four, so they can cut him and it's not a big deal if they want. Or they could try to trade him before the season's over so that another team can cut him because you got to make that trade early enough or that money gets guaranteed in the offseason. Um, so I think they got options. You know, guys like Serge Ibaka might come back for less money or he, he could also just dip because he's a guy who if he can play 20 minutes for a contender, he might take less money to play for a team that's like really good. You know, like they're just in a tough spot here. Like it's it's gonna have to be development from like a guy like Terrence Mann. It's gonna have to be development from maybe even a Brandon Boston. Like we're we're literally talking about their young young guys who are drafted to be development guys, having to be players by next season if they don't make some miracle trade with Kennard, Morris, a Blatzo. They're 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 running out of options because like you said. They've sent away all their picks.
1: Yeah, and and that's how I feel about them. Now I'm going to switch over to the same city, different team, one Los Angeles Lakers, who are a team that's also 500, only team that the Oklahoma City Thunder have defeated this year as well after Lakers lost two big leads. I actually believe LeBron wasn't playing in both of those games either. LeBron's only played in six games. He has not. And I I bet you he chose those games to sit dabble at least one time because he was like, this team got it without me. Now this team brought in a slew of characters. We talked about it. Their additions this offseason. Some of them we were like, oh, it's not a bad addition. Like there's some guys you would think like a Malik Monk. We're like, oh, that's not bad. You take you take a flyer on a guy like that. You take a flyer on a guy like that. Even Carmelo, especially if you can get him in a the, in the bench role, which is what he is for them. You take a flyer on someone like that. If he's if he's coming off for Ben, for me he's actually paid dividend for them. But then. You have the option to surround yourself with more shooters with your two main main stars or bring in a guy who can carry the load, as you could say, or try to carry the load in Russell Westbrook. And they went with the ch- with the choice of bringing in a guy like Russell Westbrook. And here we are just 10 games in. It can either be signs of this is what it's going to be like for the rest of the season or it's just the beginning. But shooting 20, I'm going to round rounded up, 27%. From three-point shooting about 42% overall, 19 points per game, giving you a solid five turnovers, eight and a half rebounds, about eight assists. But once again, high usage rate on a guy like this. And it almost seems like, and I was trying to look this up before the pod to look at on and off numbers, it almost seems like the team is flowing better and going better with him, not playing. But it's, almost, it's weird, Ethan. It's almost like when LeBron – it's like LeBron isn't there and his team needs help. It's like without LeBron, it's just loss when LeBron's on the floor, which is concerning because we know LeBron can't be there all all time. And I, I look at the way the roster is, and I'm like, man, they missed out on some guys. Like I think someone even pointed out, like, you could have taken a chance on a guy like Rudy Gay. Bring him, I don't know if I would have done it. I mean, they had their choice, We know, before the season, like a Buddy Hill, even DeMar DeRozan.
0: Could have re-signed Caruso. Because you had restricted rights yep, on him, which I would have done. And I don't think he'd leave. I don't think he'd leave Los Angeles if you match. If you, if you, I, I'm not sure if they had restricted rights. I should take that back. But I think he would have stayed in Los Angeles if you had offered him the same money. I think they had restricted rights though, and you let him walk so you could re-sign and Horton Tucker, which is fine. But you're also the Lakers pay the luxury tax. It's a bad organization. Yeah, bad GM. We
1: T- oh, we never. We haven't been fan of the GM. I mean, I almost feels like you fall into uh, when LeBron James pretty much says he wants to go there. And then Anthony Davis telegraphs that he wants to go there. I mean, there's not much else you need to do as a GM when those guys are like, I'm going to fall into your lap.
0: And like you bungled, I can't remember exactly what the machinations of the cap were, but you bungled it up where you could, you couldn't go in. You couldn't go like you hard capped yourself with that Anthony Davis trade or something like that. Where like you lost down like like up to like $3 million of like the like tax free spending because of the way you did the trade. Um, it, again, it's just we we know it's not good. Um, the one thing I want to talk about with Westbrook is, and why I will give Lakers fans some hope, is this, let let me run you through a stat. So last year in Washington, this is, um, Russell Westbrook's field goal attempts, uh, percentage like by location. So at zero to three feet, he shot 20% of his shots from three to 10. So floater range, um, 25% of his shots, um, 10 to 16, the dead mid range, 11.7, um, Deep mid-range, 16 to um, three-point, 22.4, and three-pointers were 22% of his shots. So, if you want to look at a positive Lakers fans and hope that, you know, the finishing comes around, maybe he's, you know, he's a guy's moving a lot. That ball fits a little bit more slippery or whatever. You know, maybe the finishing's a little off. But right now, in a small sample size, Russell Westbrook is taking um, 36% of his shots from zero to three feet. Which is great. That's
1: what you want. That's, that's wonderful. What you want.
0: That's where you want it because that's offensive rebound opportunities. If he draws help, it's um like if we're just talking about like the flow of the offense, that's an easier drop off for an Anthony Davis or a Dwight Howard. Like we have some options here with that number. He's taking only 8% of his shots from like true mid-range, 17% from deep mid-range, three points still staying pretty true at – Um, at 22, and his floaters have reduced to 15%. So, my point being is, he is pushing the shots to the correct direction. I don't mind him taking 22% of his shots from three-point land, just because, at the end of the day, that is the highest-value shot. That's the shot I would... If he's going to take a shot at the end of the shot clock, I'd rather him just chuck a three than chuck a mid-range shot. So, like, I will justify his 20... Like, even though he shouldn't shoot 22% based on his percentages... I'll justify it, and it's worth more points. He shouldn't take mid-rangers. But if you want to have some faith, I don't think it's going to work out perfectly, because I'm not, I am the biggest Russell Westbrook hater that's ever existed. We know that to be true. If you want to have some faith that this can, the ship can be righted, understand that Westbrook is currently taking the correct shots as much as one can.
1: As much as that makes sense, but like sometimes when I see Westbrook, like, cause obviously with LeBron and Anthony Davis, you want to surround them with shooters. That's really what you want to open up the lanes, give them space to move. Sometimes I don't, I don't think this would ever happen. Sometimes I think if you had West Russell Westbrook just being your bench guy going against second units, like I wouldn't mind that for them. But I know he wouldn't do that. Like it almost seems like it, it makes more sense to do that. But where he is in his career right now, but I just know he wouldn't do that.
0: Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I don't dislike that concept. Like, I would think he'd still be, like, a bench guy who plays closer to starter minutes, right? Like, kind of like what Tyra is doing for the Heat, where he plays—he comes off the bench, but he plays, like, the fourth-most minutes on the team.
1: Kind of like a like, Manu Ginobili, so pretty much. You know he's going to be close. Manu Ginobili's a perfect yeah, you know example he's be for close, a guy who
0: did it for a long time. Um, And maybe we don't close with Russell Westbrook, though. <laughs> maybe we don't. <laughs> but— the thing is like he's just he's just not efficient right now and he's not shooting free throws well he's shooting 62% and basically ever since they said you can't walk the half court between every free throw he's been a bad free throw shooter which is weird cuz you'd think it's not that hard um, for a guy who was a really good th- free throw shooter most of his career, which is also funny. That's
1: that's one of the most random stats about him, by the way.
0: It's such a because you look thing, at but the free throw- it's, it's Kind of valid at this yeah, because
1: he he was eighty percent up in twenty six to the twenty sixteen seventeen season. He pretty much was eighty percent or higher, except for one season when it was seventy eight percent. And then you went down seventy three percent, and then from there you're looking between the mid sixties almost every season except for one. Like that's one of the things that I just it just boggles my mind.
0: Yeah, it just it's just really dumb. Um, I think we can kind of pivot to one of my things I wanted to bring up, which we we've been talking about the whole time with L. A. and there's and the, the Lakers specifically with their slow start is the is the dichotomy between, um, a Russell Russell Westbrook team and a not Russell Westbrook team. So I want to pull it up because I want to make sure I get this guy's name right because I thought it was a really good podcast and I recommend this podcast to everyone. Um, the Dunker Spot um pod. So Dunker, the Dunker Spot is uh, produced by BasketballNews.com. It has Nikaias Duncan, and Steve Jones Jr. Uh, Nikaias Duncan been a writer. Started off with the Heat in terms of like what kind of what he followed. And Steve Jones Jr. was a coach for I think two different teams. I think the Knicks and I can't remember the other one. I know he did some work with the Blazers or maybe his dad played for the Blazers. I can't remember. But regardless, they had Mike Pareda on the podcast most recently and. Pareto's a guy uh, a big numbers guy, does a lot of analytical stuff. But he watches like he's like a legit Wizards fan. Like and he is, you know, very much invested in the Wizards and how they play basketball because that's the team he says he watches every game, like pretty much like you know, and then he, he mixes everything else in as he is an NBA writer. He's going to watch a lot of teams. But going to the Wizards, they're 6-3, and three, right? Right now, they are 11th in offensive rating, 10th in defensive rating, which is really nice. That's a nice place to be for a team that I think is kind of in between and not fully doing what their roster is. I want to talk about a guy like Bradley Beal, who's currently shooting 23% from three. Not very good. 23 points per game. Um, but this team is better than they were last year, at least to start the season. Least to start the season, they they kind of had runs last year where they were pretty solid. But right now they're six and three is a better record than they had any other any point last year. To br- to bring this all full circle, I'm just I just want to look I, like I'm just looking at this team and I don't see anyone out here who's just killing the game like K- KCP shooting 40% from three. That's to be expected. Spencer Dinwiddie nice little recovery where he's shooting 38%. I I'd like to see the breakdown of how much that's off the dribble versus um, catch and shoot because that was a big thing with people saying he would be a better three-point shooter if he had more catch-and-shoot opportunities. But in his time in this NBA, playing with the Nets and D'Angelo Russell, most of his stuff was coming off the dribble. The, the point being is, like, I'm not seeing anyone out here taking a huge volume, shooting a huge high percentage. Montrose Harrell is back to finishing really good. Um, Daniel Gafford, we know I love him. He's finishing really good. Like just They have two really like solid finishing role guys. Gafford kind of holds up on defense. Elgin, oh, this team changed their entire Concept of how they run offense, where now it's like everyone touches the ball. You got a guy, like, um, their draft pick last year, Denny Dia who is moving it, like he's 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 getting involved. Like it's just everyone is moving the basketball. Elkin and this team is kind of fun to watch. Whereas last year, you know, what team I watched maybe less than any other team in the NBA, maybe the Thunder, but the Wizards. I didn't watch the Wizards last year because Russell Westbrook is so hard to watch when he's just doing Russell Westbrook things, and the, it's. I, I, I can't help but look at this team where I'm not seeing an out an outstanding performance by any singular player on the roster Elkin, but this team's better than they were last year. when Russell Westbrook did he average a triple double last year? I don't know, but probably.
1: yeah, but and you definitely bring it up like the way that they're playing with the additions that they brought. and you kind of see it like the Lakers, you see the difficulties of playing with one Russell Westbrook. We know he's he's a ball stopper. We know. Like, yes, people talk about, like, well, he has, he's been averaging, he's averaged 10 assists so many seasons. But I'm like, you have to look at quality, like, type of assists. Like, they're you and I both know they will be guys in the NBA, he, they might average, like, six or seven assists. But you know those six or seven assists are going to be, like, those quality assists, passing to a guy, the right guy on a fast break. Or getting, a, or passing a guy open where you pass him the ball right at the right point where the guy's open compared to, like, oh, I'm going to give you an assist. I call it the shot clock assist. I don't want to shoot it to mess up my percentage. I'm going to just throw it off and you chuck it up. Oh, you made it. That's great. Or we know he's been guilty of this. I'm trying to get a triple double. So I'm going to pass up like an open look just so I can make sure you get the assist. Like that's how it is with stats. I mean, stats can always tell the story that you want it to tell. And you did bring up a good point how it's not hopeless for Lakers fans. Like I will say like it's very early in the season. NBA season is very long. We're still doing 82 games. Per season. I will think a lot of it depends too. Like, how much is LeBron going to play? Like, this abdominal injury is something that I'm going to watch a little bit. Like, they say he's going to, I've heard reports can be at least a week, could be a week and a half, but I, I can see it being two weeks that he's going to be out because LeBron doesn't want to go back out there early and then have a worse injury like a tear. Like, I mean, that'll be months then we're talking about recovery. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Ackman and It's probably going to be on a lot of LeBron and Anthony Davis to rein Russell in to kind of say like, hey, we need you more in this role. But it's one thing to say, like, we're going to do this. And it's another thing, knowing Russell's personality that he a lot of times is like, I'm going to go, go, go do my thing no matter what. And I don't know. I don't think the Lakers are going to do a midseason trade of him because at this point, there's not going to be any teams who are going to want that contract and that player. Like, because people talk about, like, oh, look at what they did with Isaiah Thomas, Dwayne Wade in that 2017-18 season, Derrick Rose, but I'm like, that's different. Those are manageable contracts that are easy to move. This is a contract that's still pretty massive that's going to be hard to move, like, unless a team is, like, super, super desperate for a guy like that or, like, OKC is, like, we want to bring back Russell Westbrook for old time's sake, which I don't think they would at this point.
0: Like, what do the Lakers have to give to, like, like, there's the only, the only thing you're getting if you're OKC, not to mention st- stomping all over Shea and Josh Giddy's development potential by trading for Russell Westbrook. Like, it's just such a tax to take that salary. Like, there's nothing. Like, maybe if they still had Al Horford on the roster or they still had, they didn't buy out Kimba Walker, maybe there was something that could be worked out. But like, no, there's just, there's nothing. Like, my question is, and we won't know because the Rockets don't have any interest in letting him play. I'm curious if John, like, you know, I'm I'm curious because John Wall is not not playing. Is 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 he no longer the worst contract? If if Russell Westbrook's playing poorly on his, like, that's what I'm asking.
1: I mean, <laughs> at this point, that's I,
0: I I know I'm a John Wall stand. I'm a Russell Westbrook hater, so it's not really fair for me to talk about just have things.
1: just just have the the Rockets and the Lakers do that do that trade, kind of like reverse of the Wizards and just
0: I would. I would like it, because for all all the things John Wall, like I I don't know if in the aggregate John Wall is a better player than Russell Westbrook. Most people probably would think, Ethan, you're a crazy person for even suggesting it, but I know John Wall knows how to play basketball like an adult. I know that for a fact.
1: Call it like it is. Now, I'm ready to move on, because we've covered pretty much two of your topics, and <laughs> we've only covered one of mine. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to bring up another topic before we before we hit back your third topic that you have sitting there. Um, kind of a slow start for some of our, our key shooters, some of them like a Lillard, Young, and Harden. Now, I call these three guys or the three horsemen of foul baiting. I'm going to be honest. I love Lillard, but let's be real. These guys are known for foul baiting, and we know that there's been rule changes as far as how refs are going to call more of these fouls, how they're going to look at these fouls. Are they going to call it more offensive fouls now? Which we've I've seen that a few times. I think one replay that went around was the offensive foul they called on Patrick Beverly against Antetokounmpo. Not Giannis, but Thanasis. Where he kind of did the infamous, like, I'm just going to stop right in front of you, do that. And James Harden, I've seen him called for the hook offensive foul. I've seen that called towards him. Even though against the Pacers, it was a great game for them to choose to call those calls. Shot 16 free throws against the Pacers. Not going to forget that. And Lillard, I just feel like Lillard's been off. Like, that's one thing. Like, his shooting numbers, they've just been off. Now, it's not the first time we've seen guys who I consider stars to have slow starts. Now, the reason I brought these guys up, Ethan, for you now, out of these three guys, which, and it could be all of them, it could be one of them, two of them, which guys do you see it like this is what's to be expected now for the rest of the season, or it's just for you it's an aberration, like uh it's just an aberration they gotta get used to something or they're trying to play play through something. What are you seeing with?
0: I'll go with Trey Young as like the shooting numbers to be closer to what they actually are because we have a sample size. So Trey Young right now, um this is his this is a stat run. I'm gonna run it through you real quick. So in his career, he's averaging 24 points per game, 3 rebounds, eight, 8.9 assists, shooting 43% from the field, 34% from three, 86% from the line. That's his just generic, read it off basketball reference. His season right now, he's scoring 23 points per game, 3 rebounds, 9 assists, shooting 41% from the field, and 28% from three. So let me ask you, Alcum, that's not good, Three uh, the, 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 the field goal percentage and the three-point percentage. But it's never been that good. He's a volume guy, and he's a great passer. That's why Trey Young's a good basketball player, because he's a great passer. We swap that over to like, Damian Lillard, for example. Let's go back to that part of the page for him. Right now, I'm just going to do percentages, because we don't really care about the points in terms of totals. Right, He's 43 for his career, 37 from the uh, three-point line. Right now, he's 40, 35% and 24. That's a lot different. That's a Big difference. Um, I think Dame was trying to, I think, you know, probably t- like five to ten of those threes are trying to draw fouls and just not hitting anything. He's not shooting well. We know that to be a fact, but I I look at that more of as this guy needs to change how he's playing a little bit. I think like he's getting, he's gotten to the rim a little bit more this year. We'll see if I have that stat available to me again. Yeah, like this year, he's at 26% of his shots coming at the rim. That's the highest, I mean, like Last year he was at 23%. And he's still about 50% three point attempts, so he's not really taking bad shots. Like I think Dame's gonna figure it out. It's just a matter of I, I, I we have a little we have a little conspiracy theory in this household that the the Portland Portland's trying to hype CJ up as much as they can in the early part of the season by like making him look like he's really good and Dame not be as good, keep the record around 500 so then they can trade CJ for a good basketball player and then Dame will just turn the switch back on and we'll be back to, you know, MVP area Dame.
1: Or they should have just traded Dame.
0: No, no, never. We don't do that. Um, I I, I, I don't think the shooting woes of one Damian Lord will persist. I think, I don't know if we'll have him shooting 40% from three at any point this year. You know, like, I, I don't, I'm not sure that's going to be, like that level of regression's coming. But he's gonna go he's gonna like last year. he had that like ten game stretch where the man was unconscious. No one could guard him. He was winning games by himself. literally, we're down fifteen to start the fourth, and Dame's like, all right, uh, coach Terry, give me, give me five minutes to start. let us see if I can get hot. And then they he'd bring us bring him all the way back.
1: I think I think and, one game, one game like that that I think it was last year is the game against the nuggets, where he was just, I don't know if you remember that game. He was I just remember the, the double ball.
0: clutch three at the top of the top of the key? I remember yeah, that he was shot doing double clutch,
1: or he was getting the ball going back to three pointer, and he's like, I'm just gonna turn around and shoot a faded with three and still make it, and it's like, you can't do anything about it. And I will say, like is probably the one who I'm not as worried about. Harden, I honestly think Harden is still also working himself through out of injury because Harden was injured through end of last season, and. Didn't get as much burn during the offseason as you would like to have gotten. So I think he's still working through that. Yeah, yeah, he's having to change his game a little bit because of how we how he gets a lot of his calls. Like, cardin has been good at drawing fouls, which I think is a skill. To be able to draw an NBA foul, I think that's a skill. But I'm not, a, I'm not as worried about his game. I, I don't know if you feel differently about his game.
0: I have, other than him getting in shape, I have zero concerns about James Harden. I have less concerns about James Harden than I do about Damian Lillard, and, and here's why. James Harden's still a very big boy in terms of like strong, physically, like a gir- like a girthy human when he goes through the lane. I want I want to like do a little stat breakdown. Is this is this nothing that you any generic NBA fan can't look up, right? The man shooting 41% from three on seven attempts. He's shooting the ball well. He is shooting 38% from the field. He is not shooting. He's not making layups. He's not making mid rangers He's not making floaters. And what I 100% am attributing that to is the foul-seeking behavior. I obviously, obviously, he's going to miss some shots. So, like I would think this guy would be closer to 50%. I think it's half and half. Foul-seeking behavior, half and half missing shots. But that that gap of 12%, which is all it would take. That might be all it is. Not to mention also, 4.9 turnovers per game, which is not a big... That's like right on cue. Like, he's not... Like, I think the way... I'm I'm struggling to get the correct word for this. But it's not like he's not getting to the playmaking shot attempt spots. He's just bailing the defense out based on the new rules of fouls. Like, he's still getting the same amount of assists he's still having the same amount of turnover so he's still making the same like you know theoretical mistakes at the same rate it's only when he takes the actual jump shot and there's no foul or he's ah uh, no foul he's missing and that's all it is and he plays for a team that has a very good offense he's not required to be the best player on the team because there's a guy named Kevin Durant who's having a monster roster.
1: season by the way already
0: yeah and let me see like you know what? Surprisingly, this team's not a good offensive team. They're 21st out of, tw- out of 30, but that might just be because their two best players take a very tough diet of attempts.
1: It's okay though, and their and their third best player is currently sitting at home still.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like Patty Mills is taking is making half his shots. Joe Harris is sh- shooting 40%. <clears throat> like basically just all their like older guys who like kind of need to be able to like take a couple threes here and there. Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Paul Millsap. Those are the guys who aren't making anything. And they're missing a guy like Nick Claxton, who should be helping them on defense. Like, I don't know. This team is missing their third best player, and they don't have a perfectly healthy roster. They have an old roster. Like, I I can't stress this, man. Like, this team is fine. And James Harden is going to figure it out.
1: I think for me, I have more faith in this Nets team than I do in the Lakers team. I don't know if that makes sense.
0: Um, I, I, I agree just because I like their role players so much more. Than yeah, and I,
1: I think not just role players, but the fit of the role players as well. Like how, how it fits. Like they they did the right pickups, and that's how I look at it. But you're right about James Harden. I think one highlight I saw of him, it was the game against the Heat. I believe they are playing in Brooklyn, and I saw highlights of this with the Heat players guarding him, and there were so many times, and he got called for offensive foul on one, another one. He just missed it. He just, like, looking for that foul, especially that hook, that arm hook. And the Heat players just did, like, I'm just going to keep keep my arms out wide, not even trying to reach in. And he would, like, grab their arms down. And the refs saw that. They're like, we're not going to call this. And yes, some people say, like, well, the refs are aiming directly at him. And I'm like, of course the refs are going to do that. They know that him, Trey Young... Even Chris Parr, the players, that the reason why this rule came along because they kept doing stuff like so. Who you're gonna target? The biggest culprits, like that's just what you're gonna do. That's just the truth.
0: And and the biggest culprits are still sometimes gonna get away with it.
1: Yeah, because I mean, it's they sneaky. have the ball all the time. It's an NBA skill, like I call it, getting getting to the free throw lines. An NBA skill, just like getting away with stuff and treat, deceiving the refs is an NBA skill. Like that's what you always hear rookie players tell them a veteran told me this is what I I can get away with this stuff if I do it right in the paint at this time or I can get away with this I can get away with a push off if I just use my forearm and not extend my arm like some of the most basic stuff but that's all I got about that topic I'm ready to talk about the Cavs unless you want to talk about one of those three players again
0: no, I'm good. Let's talk about the Cavs because the Cavs are a team I had no faith in being good. I thought they'd be competitive in a lot of games because they have NBA players. Like I compare this to like the Vucevic Magic, like when they were like you know pushing for the playoffs, but not that he really shouldn't make the playoffs. I I thought that that was what this team was going to look like. Um, sir, they're they're just not they're not bad. They're don't
1: don't do, they don't do they don't do anything spectacularly well. Like I'm looking at their team stats and the opponents stats like Ethan, they don't do anything that's like blowing your mind away like wow this team is really, they're, they're good at they're good at they're good at not fouling by the way I'm going to say that they're good at not fouling they'll lot of free throws go ahead
0: but like who like I I always look at teams I'm like all right so if can you be competitive throughout the most of the game and I would say this team classifies as that yes they should be able to be competitive through most of the game all right last thing who's going to close the game all right, well, maybe it would be Colin Sexton. Well, Colin Sexton can't shoot threes this season, which is, you know, you guys are maybe finally being right about the fact that he can't shoot. I mean, it's been, it's been, oh, what, th- 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 this is the fourth year now. This is the first time he can't. But maybe you guys, your, y'all's draft analysis is saying Colin Sexton can't shoot's finally coming true. Um, all right, so Colin Sexton can't shoot. He likes to settle for mid-rangers. Probably not the best closing option. All right, Darius Garland, um, good at shooting threes. Not a great rim finisher. Good floater guy makes his free throws when he gets fouled. Maybe he's your option, but he's very small. Jared Allen doesn't miss anything because all he does is dunk. Evan Mobley's a rookie. Larry Markinen, who he's out there to spread the floor, right? Like he's, he's playing the three (laughs) to spread the floor,
1: and he he looks good
0: doing it. He looks good doing
1: it. 28% from three though. But he,
0: but it's working Elkin. This team's winning Uh, games.
1: It it doesn't make sense. Like Ethan, like I'm looking up and down, like their stats, like I'm looking at all their stats, their team stats, their player stats, and their record. Like nothing they're pretty much just an average team. Like well, besides but they're, I mean, defense isn't bad, but like you look at net rating, middle of the pack, sixteenth, offensive rating seventeenth, and stuff like that. Like I mean I guess like that's what happens. That's what you're supposed to do.
0: I, I will say this, and I think it's something we need to consider more and more when we're talking about teams that make that that initial like leap towards being competitive, is how important rim protection is. Um, Jared Allen's a very good rim protector. I don't, like, He's not really particularly good at anything else on offense, but he's a very good rim protector. And when you're a team like the Cavs, who I don't know who their other good defenders are. Like Ricky Rubio is a good point of attack defender, but he's losing steps. Isaac Okoro is a good defender, but he doesn't play. But that's really it in terms of, like, guys who are good defenders. Everyone else is just passable. Evan Mobley, I, forgive me. I didn't say Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley's a very good defender. With that in mind, though, like, guards are driving past Colin Sexton. Guards are driving past Darius Garland. But there's always someone there. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. To stop it from being an easy layup. I think about like a team like the Blazers, who, like last year, people would drive past CJ, people would drive past Dame, and if Nurk wasn't in the game, it was a layup every time. That's not happening against the Cavs. So you're taking away all those easy gimme points, and people are settling for floaters, people are kicking out the threes, maybe that shooter's open for a reason. Those kinds of things. And that's the only that's why this team is solid. I don't think this is going to stick. I think this is still very much below a 500 team. I trust my analysis in that this team is not actually good, that this is a bunch of small sample size theater and individual games. Like, I remember Colin Sexton beating the Nets by himself one game last year. Like, maybe I should box score, check every game, say, all right, well, Darius Garland won this game by himself. Laurie Markin had his good game against this team. That's why they won. And so all their averages are still coming out to be kind of poopy but they've all had their one good game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know? they,
1: they've beaten some decent teams. They've beaten Raptors, Blazers, Nuggets, Clippers. Raptors like, should
0: have been on this list too because I thought the Raptors were supposed to be bad.
1: Yeah, like, they that's the thing. They've had some good wins. I don't know how they lost to the Lakers. Sometimes it doesn't make sense.
0: I don't, I just, I don't know anymore. I just like there's certain things with, with how basketball is going that I, I I'm just very confused by, and it's not even about like oh I understand how these players would play well together I understand how like this all fits but not with the Cavs not necessarily with the Raptors these are some weird rosters these are some things like I don't understand I understand how the Raptors would be a good defensive team. Oh, and, that's, and they're seventh in defensive rating. That all makes sense. I mean, when you're talking about guys, a team with OG Ananobi, with tr- Gary Trent Jr., who hustles hard, not a great defender, but he hustles hard. And Scottie Barnes. You, uh, Scotty Barnes. Um,
1: Even when Fred, Van Siakam Fleet, Brent, back, Fred, Fred Van comes back. Fred Van Fleet Fleet is such horrible. a good
0: guard defender. Yeah, he's uh, Chris good. Chris Boucher, when he plays, is, like, okay at protecting the rim. So
1: that makes sense.
0: Like, all that makes sense. But, like, aside from Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, where are the good defenders for the Cavs to make I this thought, work? I thought. Well,
1: Isaac Okoro was supposed to be a defender for them.
0: He he is, but he's played four games. Like I mean, he, he's not playing big minutes.
1: Yeah, that's the thing.
0: He, he he his broke jumper got swapped out for Laurie Markin, who's an a specialist, and that's why the team's so good.
1: Yeah. Who's shooting 28% for three? There from we go. Three.
0: Although he did dunk on Nikola Jokic, and we love that.
1: Oh, we definitely. A little white do on that.
0: white crime. Bring that up. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh why don't I cry anyway uh, all right.
0: you got one more thing let's go yes, back to the Homer home. talk
1: Homer I talk to it. wrap it up possible rookie of the year candidate from my home country to Republic, public Clifford Indiana Pacers run one Chris Dwight currently second in scoring for the rookies with a solid 16 game, 16 games 16 points per games, high three point percentage we love to see it 42% have scored in double digits in all games except for one game, which was actually the Portland game, only had nine points. Makes me a little bit sad.
0: Norm Powell, baby. Get him out
1: of here. But I'll take it. I mean, I think for picking 13th, this is a guy that you're like, you're not going to mind. Yes, he's older. So you're probably getting him closer to the finished product. And I'll be honest with you, Ethan. I don't expect this guy to be a perennial all-star. But I do expect him to be a contributor. Like, this is a guy who I feel like he's just going to be solid for the Pacers. Like, I honestly see what he's averaging right now. 16 is probably going to be close to what he's going to be doing for his career. Like, he's probably going to be 15 to 16 point scorer. Eventually, like, it might be like if Karis LeVert ever finds his stride, he might be your, our sixth man off the bench. Or if they're like, nah, Karis LeVert, get him out of here. Him, we're going to bring in Chris and just have him start. But... I like it. Solid the guy always making buzzer-beater threes. Those games that I've watched, almost half of his shots are three-pointers. Good free throw shooter. Uh, makes decent decisions with the ball. Currently just averaging 1.8 turnovers per game. I like it. So I'm positive. Finally, something positive to say about these Pacers.
0: All right. Let me let me double-check this team's record when this guy was also 24 years old, because I kind of wanna I kind of wanna like give you the I, I, let me hype you up a little bit here. hype me
1: up hype me up hype me up
0: let me me hype you up hype me up so in this this was the year this is the year 2015-16 this guy played on what i believe was a playoff a playoff team i'm trying to double check yeah no no they were not a playoff team this is the year before they made the playoffs for the first time in this iteration of the team all right all right one year before they made the playoffs maybe very close to what the pacers are looking like maybe this is the year before they make the playoffs. This 24-year-old, um, he played in 79 games. He scored 18 points per game. My goodness, basketball reference is really just trying to not let me do this efficiently. He played in 79 games, scored 18 points per game, three 3.8 rebounds, 4.2 assists with only two turnovers. He shot 44% from the field, 39% from the three-point line, and shot 88% from the free-throw uh, free-throw line. That was 30, 39% from the three-point line. And this line. is at 24 years this. old for this? this is at 24 years old. This is Chris Middleton. Not bad. So, if you want to believe in development, it doesn't matter when you turn 24, because everyone does, it doesn't matter if you've had four seasons in the NBA or you've had five seasons in college <laughs> if you want to be super duper optimistic I don't think it's a crazy thought because I look at the way they play I look at the way they move Chris Duarte slightly smaller but if you really want to just believe in a guy's uh, internal development a team like the Pacers like I I would I would say best case scenario one Chris one Chris duarte, could could develop very similarly to a Chris Milton and be kind of one of those guys who works in a couple dribbles, pull up, catch and shoot guy, pair him next to a guy who creates a lot of offense, and all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who can really, uh, really kind of take the strides to being that second or third best player on a really, really good team. That's just my thought. No, absolutely. I, I was you. like, who, who can I comp this game to that's been an all-star, that doesn't his statistics don't necessarily pop off the page at you, but he's part of a really successful team. He plays good basketball, and I was like, you know what? I wonder what Chris Middleton's twenty four year season looked like, cause he's been a slow burn kind of guy.
1: And there you have. It. I like I like the compare also too. I mean, I'm gonna keep it a buck with you, keep it one hundred. I have felt like recently, uh, Pacers rookies, we haven't had a good good uh, like string with Pacers rookies. I mean that that's just the way it is. I mean Goga was our last first round draft pick before him was Aaron Holiday and then before him is the infamous CJ Leaf, so
0: if if I recall correctly, the Pacers always pick 10 to 13. Yep. Or 10 to 18 when they make uh, the playoffs, yeah. you know. Have a couple of years where Paul George and Danny Granger are on the same team, they get the number 1 seed. But those two names I mentioned were two of those middle Lottery or like middle to late lottery picks, right? The Pacers are a kind of team that they don't bottom out, bottom out, and they also don't usually go higher than the four seed, right? Like, that's kind of like where they're, that's like their window. They miss the playoffs by two spots or they make the three seed, right? Like that's kind of like where they love to operate. And it's hard. It's hard to pick there. Like think about the magic, right? The magic have been missing out on good, like high draft picks for a while because they keep finishing slightly too high in the lottery odds. And so you get a Jonathan Isaac instead of, you know, uh, what was it? I can't remember what draft was that Brandon Ingram draft. I can't, That wasn't that long ago. It was more recent. No,
1: Jonathan Isaac was 2017.
0: Yeah. And Simmons and Ingram were, were 16, right? Regardless, you get you get the Jonathan Isaac instead of the Jason Tatum. You get the you get the Jalen Suggs instead of the let's say Jalen Green. Like that's it's early, but you know what I'm saying. You, like that's just been the Magic's role, and then you're pushing the Pacers two or three picks further back. You're gonna get a Paul George. You're gonna get a Danny Granger. You're gonna get a T.J. Leaf.
1: That's just the way it is, and I hate it. I hate it sometimes, but I'll take it. But. That's all I got. i''m I'm not gonna flood us with a bunch of homerism at the end, but that I'm excited for it. Look, I might go to a Pitches game. I might not. There's still a pandemic going on, so I'm always hesitant,
0: yeah, especially in Indiana. I don't know what the I don't know, at least with the Blazers, you have to like I'm sure there's people faking the funk, but you have to have a you have to have uh a, a, a rapid test negative, and that's for the unvaccinated section. And then uh, for the uh, the majority of vaccinated sections, you have to show your card upon entry with your ID. So I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say that the Rose Quarter um, employees are all, you know, caring about the pandemic. Some of them might just kind of like, oh, yeah, you got it. You know, kind of like that that security video where the guy just like, you know, does the jazz hands around people's (laughs) bodies, checking them for stuff. Um, But. Regardless, I, I think the NBA does a pretty good job of putting the correct protocols in place um, to hopefully keep everyone safe. It's still a pandemic, so I will not hate on anyone who's not going to games. I know Richard went to the game last night in Phoenix. That's exciting. I've been to, to one Blazer game this year. I plan to go to plenty more. I, I wanted to go to that Pacers game. There's just a little bit too much on the on the docket for my time. But no, we're going to get to it. Obviously, that will go to the Heat game. I, I, my goal is is at least six games this year. I don't think that's a bad goal, it's especially because I'll watch anybody. I'll watch anybody. I'll watch the Thunder.
1: <laughs> hey, at least those tickets will be cheap.
0: Yeah, and you know maybe they'll get their third win because you know uh, they, I don't know they don't play the Lakers for a while, so they, they shouldn't get another win for. Us.